This morning, I have the privilege of starting our series of 21 Days of Prayer. Super excited to be part of this series. Um, this series will be up until throughout Easter. Can you guys believe it that in three weeks, it's Easter? Oh my goodness. <laughs> right? It's Easter in three weeks. Um, we had this series in mind uh, because our desire was to help our church to have a tangible, all right, and an interactive time up uh, until Easter to understand what prayer is. What prayer is. Why? Because prayer is not just something that we pray on meals, right? Or prayer is not something that you just pray, you know, on occasionally, right? Prayer is a lifestyle. Prayer is a lifestyle. Style, And because our desire for prayer to be a lifestyle, we want to help you with that. We want to help you and we want to give you tools and prompts to help you to make prayer become your lifestyle. For example, we have these things, right? Soap journals. And, and Whitney Higgins has done a phenomenal job of putting these together. All right? And inside it, you'll see starting tomorrow, day one, all right, you'll have a, a, a scripture and a prayer prompt that you can work, to, work, work through for 21 days, all right? So, on your way out today, after today's uh, 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 service, grab one. There should be a table out there with a bunch of these, all right? Um, grab one for now, because we do have to make more, all right? If you're a person that's like, I have 9 million friends, and I want to give out these two, hold yourself self-control, all right? Just today, just for today, self-control, all right? Just take one or two that you know that there's a person that may need this, Take one for them as well, all right? This is going to be a great tool for us to go through in this 21 days of prayer. Not only that, we're going to be sharing daily of these same devotionals and these same prompts on social media. You know, I view social media as a, as a phenomenal tool to live out the Matthew 28, the Great Commission that God has given us, right? When we share these things, we don't share it just to get the, you know, the double click and the likes and things like that, right? We share it to share the gospel of Jesus. That, that's, that's, that's why we share it. So if we want to help spread the gospel of Jesus, even in the interwebs, okay, share these posts that we, we, we're posting so that the people that you're sharing it with understand, like, this is where your truth comes from, as well as that they can also be convicted and that God will speak through them, through them, even through social media. Amen? So when you see these posts coming, just share them, all right? And that, would, that would be amazing. Lastly, we are going to have three Wednesday prayer services here at Journey, all right? Three Wednesday prayer services here at Journey at 12 p.m. We're going to meet here, and we're going to just pray things through. We're going to have prompts to pray through. We're going to worship together, all right? Now, we do understand that there's life this thing called life that happens, okay? So know that we will be live streaming this at 12 p.m., all right? So join us if you can here physically, but if you can, join us online at 12 p.m. every Wednesday up until Easter, okay, at 12 p.m. You know, if you're at work, if you're, you know, at lunchtime, just put in your, you know, headphones in and listen to it like a podcast. Fantastic, it's great, all right? Again, our desire for this series is that this, all these tools, all the things that we're doing will be a catalyst, a catalyst for a lifestyle that is filled with prayer beyond the 21 days. Amen? 
right? It'll be a catalyst. It'll be a, it'll be a, a launch pad that'll help you to go beyond the 21 days of prayer. Let me start off today with this question. What is prayer? What is prayer? Is it, is it a conversation? Is it a petition? Is it a, a genie in a bottle kind of sort of thing? What exactly is prayer? When was the last time you actually sat down and thought about what prayer is? You know, if you grew up in the church, you were probably taught to pray before meals. Am I right? Right? Uh, maybe something like this prayer. God is great. God is good. You can say it. By his hands, we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Hey, look at that. You guys, you guys know some of this stuff. Amen. All right. Or some of you may have grown up in camps and churches that did sing-alongs of, of prayers. Okay, maybe like this one. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for all the food we eat. <laughs> what tune is that? And it's so very nice of you to make some of it sweet. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it's a, it's a great song. You can take this, all right, and use it for your kids or whatnot, okay? Maybe this one, okay? Maybe this one. God is great and God is good. God is good. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. I love it. You guys are all right on it. Fantastic. So we have these prayers, Again, you, you have permission to take this and use it, all right, however you want to. But, you, you know, we were also taught to pray in the times that we need help, right? That God is the ultimate helper. Now, for those who did not grow up in the church and, and, came, up faith, and came up to, you know, faith later in life, you're probably like, <laughs> so glad those, those cheesy songs are not part of my life, right? Or, or maybe you're like, you know, man, I missed out on this, Right? But do you remember the time that you were actually taught how to pray? Like that you were taught how to pray. If I were to be honest, you probably had an experience of, you know, pray this prayer of accepting Jesus, right? And then you're like, ooh, I accepted Jesus, and this is awesome. And, and then it was like, you're good to go. And then it would just kind of throw you into the deep end and say, go swim, right? And then maybe this, is, this resonates with a lot of us. Hashtag pray for blank. Whatever you want to do. You know, just whatever you want to fill it with, you fill in that blank. Now, this has everybody in the world praying, right? Both believers and non-believers. Now, whether those, you know, for non-believers, whether those prayers are just thoughts and wishes, okay? I have to believe that God redeems all things. Even hashtag pray for blank. I mean, how cool is it? Think about it. How cool is it that non-believers who might think that this is just thoughts and wishes, that they're actually praying to the God above and that he's listening. Because God's not going to be like, uh, I'm going to sift through this prayer, this prayer, this prayer. I'm not going to listen to this. I'm not going to listen to this. Oh, I will listen to this one. Right? He doesn't know. He's a God of all creation. He's going to listen to the groaning of the humanity, of his creation. So when we pray, you know, pray for, hashtag pray for, I have to believe that, how, that God does redeem these prayers. I'd say that's pretty cool. But for those who believe in Jesus, fully knowing the power behind prayer, this hashtag pray for blank 
has become just the same, just another everyday language, especially here in the South. I mean, when I came to the South like eight, eight years ago, eight, nine years ago, when somebody told me, oh, bless your heart, I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you. <laughs> like, thank you, I appreciate that. But then I realized what he really meant, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's what it means, right? Uh, but how many times, again, do we say that to people? Bless your heart, I'm going to pray for you. But it's just a saying rather than becoming action with the words that we've said. So again, what is prayer? Why do we pray? What is the purpose of praying? Is it for comfort? Is it for direction? Is it for wisdom? So this morning, we're going to go to the words of Jesus. We're going to go to the words of Jesus and to see what prayer is and how to pray. And if you look at your cards and your, you know, in front of your chairs, you'll see that Matthew 6, 5 through 13 is highlighted. And that's the uh, main passage that we're going to be reading today. And I want to do something different this morning, this morning with you. We're going to open up to Matthew 6, and I'll be reading out of the ESV version, okay? And I'm going to read verse 5, and then you're going to read verse 6. I'm going to read verse 7, and then you're going to read? Good. Fantastic. We can count. Fantastic. All right. So let's read it together. That sound good? We're going to read it out loud. So let me read verse 5, and you reread out verse 6 out loud. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. You go. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Give us this day our daily bread. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thank you all for participating in that. I, it's good to hear your voices. Here we see Matthew with the collection of Jesus' sermon, his sermon on the mount. There was a multitude of people gathered here. I mean, multitudes from everyone and anywhere. Why? Because by now, okay, by now, it's, the rumor has been spread. The news has been spread that there's this guy named Jesus who's doing miracles, who's healing people, who's casting out demons, who, who is, you know, doing things that are making the Pharisees and the teachers of the left furious, okay? And, he, and the news has been spread that this Jesus is in town. So people from everywhere are gathered, all from all social classes, so are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. We're probably curious to see who this Jesus guy is that was making all the ruckus. Then in Matthew 6, 5, Jesus, without any hesitation, drops this bomb. And when you pray, you must not, like, you must not be like the hypocrites. The only people group, okay, listen to me, the only people group that falls into this category, <laughs> okay, are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. 
Like, I can guarantee you that as soon as Jesus said this, they were probably angry and furious and offended. Because everyone knew, in the multitudes of people, everyone knew who Jesus was talking about here in verse 5. Because it was the Pharisees and the teachers of the laws, they were the ones who prayed out loud in public spaces. They were the ones who stood in the synagogue and in straight street corners praying, visible for people to see. And, and I had to wonder, like how, I wondered how many of us fall into that category. Like we'll pray in Bible studies. We'll, we'll pray in, in our small groups. We'll pray in church. We'll even pray before, you know, eating lunch at a restaurant with our families. And others look at us, look at you, with awe and wonder of like, wow, that's such a great prayer. That's amazing prayer. But in reality, when we look at the inside, the personal lives, the prayer life is non-existent. And Jesus is warning us, don't be like these hypocrites who only want their reward by praises of men. And then Jesus gives us an instruction how to pray. Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Go into a private room and shut the door where it is unobserved, unnoticed, undisturbed. In today's terms, here's what it means. Leave your phones, leave your smartwatches, leave your music, leave your computers, go into the room just with the clothes on your back and pray. Some of you are like getting really squirmy. I'm like, but I need my music to pray. <laughs> I get that. But what Jesus here is saying with, without distraction in the secret, in the quietness of our minds, that we get to focus on God. Then Jesus says in verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Some transla translations say, don't babble. You know, every time I read this, I have to chuckle a little bit. I left, I left you know, by myself. Because <laughs> don't you think that Jesus knew us when he was saying this, right? Us Gentiles, don't you think that Jesus knew that, that he was speaking to us? Because right now, if I were to put you in a private room with no technology, nothing, but just a clothes on your back and said, pray. Like, what are the words that are coming out of your mouth? Uh, hi, God. <laughs> um, it, I know it's been a long time since I prayed. Um, I guess I can pray for my family. I, I don't know, God. Uh, and what Jesus is saying is, don't babble. Don't babble. Don't, don't, don't make up words just to please who God is. Because God already knows your heart. And I'm so glad that Jesus knows us. Amen? I, I'm so glad that Jesus knows you and I. Because he lays down a foundation of what and how to pray. Because he's like, I know you're going to probably babble. I know you're going to try to probably make some words up to pray, right? 
So here's what I'm going to tell you how to pray. And this is how you should be praying. And this is where we will be spending the rest of the morning together. And if there's one thing that I, I want you to remember today is this. The purpose of prayer is to glorify God. The purpose of prayer is to glorify God. And we're going to unpack together what that means today. Let's read verses 9 through 13 again. Let me read this. So pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts, or some, some translations, trespasses, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the Lord's Prayer that we've all grown up with. You've probably seen it in restaurants or in, in hotels or whatnot, right? You probably grew up, some, some of you might have grown up in church actually reciting this every single Sunday, right? In Sunday school and in main service, right? And, and you probably did this over and over again so that now it's ingrained in your mind. And if you're wondering, some of you are giving me like, like something's missing in there, <laughs> right? The, the missing part is what? For thine or for yours is the kingdom, power, and forever and forever, and amen. Right? Well, some, you know, before, before I go on, <clears throat> some translations like KJV, King James Version, right? It has this, for thine is the kingdom. Why? Because they, it, was a tr- it was a transcription of the best manuscript at that point when, you know, KJV was written. Since then, history happens. More things get uncovered, Right? More manuscripts that have been better and better translations that have been here, right? Like ESV and NASB was written out of that. That's why in ESV you don't really see for dying is a kingdom and forever and, you know. But that's not important. I'm here to remind you. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that what? All scripture is breathed by God, inspired by God. Meaning, the, this word that we hold on to today and read today is the very breath of God. So not only that, yours is a kingdom and the power and forever. It only strengthens what Jesus is teaching us how to pray. It only strengthens it. It's, it's like a period mark at the, at the end of the sentence. So it doesn't just, it, that doesn't detract away from the prayer. So if you're wondering about that, well, that's what that is. The Lord's Prayer is broken into seven sections. Our Father, God's intimacy, in heaven, sovereignty of God, hallowed be your name, God's holiness, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God's will. Give us this day our daily bread, provision from God, and forgive us our debts as we have also have forgiven our debtors. God's forgiveness, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God's deliverance. Let's look at our Father, the intimacy of God, first together. I love, love, love that Jesus starts off with the word Father. Notice how Jesus didn't ask us to pray, Mr. God. Okay, that will be weird. I mean, just, if you pray, Mr. God, come talk to me. I want to know you, okay? (laughs) All right? But he instructs us to pray, our Father. Father in Greek is pater. Pater. And if you didn't know, Jesus spoke Aramaic, all right? And 
The pater is also translated in Aramaic as Abba, A-B-B-A, Abba. Abba was used by a child as well as a grown adult. It's a term of intimacy. You know, I, I, uh, it, it, it's close, it resonates with me a little bit because in, in Korean, word for, you know, like dad, it's appa. And like abba and appa, it's a very, like, it's similar, right? And, and, and father, like the, the respectful term is abaji. So for me, like, I look at this, I go, I understand the intimacy part of this because I'm like, appa, appa, you know, appa, appa. It's like, it's, 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 to me, it's the same. And in English, it's the same thing. Like, when you want to introduce your dad, you say, hey, this is my father, Mr. Blank, right? Or, or and if you want to get the attention of your dad, you say, hey, dad. There, there is a different tonality that happens when you change the language here a little bit. Like, it would be weird <laughs> if my two boys, who are five and two, I came home, and I opened the doors, and they run to me and go, Father! (laughs) Like, my brain goes, no, that's just, no, that is weird. Why? Because they're five and two. They they have this endearment term that they use. The word is what? Daddy. Daddy. And they come and run and hug me. Now, I don't know where Christians got this from, but Abba doesn't mean daddy, people. All right? It does not mean daddy. Abba, it has the same affectionate and intimate term that is attached to it as daddy. It doesn't literally mean daddy. So when Jesus calls God Abba, he shared an intimacy as a father and a child would. So when Jesus instructs us to pray, Father, Abba, it is an invitation for you and I to have the same intimate relationship with Abba. And what a phenomenal invitation that is. He's not, he's not giving us a class B intimate relationship. Like, you know, Jesus has this class A intimate relationship with God, and then Jesus is like, you have class B, you know, you, you just one class lower. No, he's giving us that same invitation, that same relationship that Jesus had with his Abba. And it's an exclusive one as well. It's an exclusive one. Why? Because not all people can call God Father. This was only for those who were adopted into God's family through the blood of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. So that when we say our Father, our Abba, we are in acknowledgement that as believers we have a Father in heaven. That's why the language is our Father. Psalm 27.4 says this, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. To to want to know God more and wanting to seek God more should be our desire. To desire for that intimacy with God. To call him Abba on a daily basis. To be able to run to him like a child would. To fall into his arms and we should be desiring that, and that is his intimacy for us. Jesus continues, says, our Father, our Abba, in heaven, in heaven, the sovereignty of God. While we have this intimate relationship with our Abba, when it says in heaven, Jesus actually changes the gear a little bit here. 
Can, we, can I go into theology a little bit this morning? Is that cool? Yeah? All right, cool. Let's go into theology 101. God's sovereignty can be categorized into three aspects. Omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. Right? Omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. Omnis- omniscience is defined as total knowledge or all-knowing. Omnipotence is total power. It's all power. Omnipresence is total presence or all-present. So God's sovereignty is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present. God is not restricted by our timeline. He doesn't have 24 hours or 72 hours. He doesn't have 365 days. He has no beginning and he has no end. He doesn't have a yesterday, today, or tomorrow. God is. Okay? He is. He exists. So because God is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, nothing in this universe moves without his permission. Nothing in the universe moves without his permission. Meaning, not just here on this earth, but in all galaxies, right? And all the stars cannot move without his permission. Psalm 147 says this. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. They have names? (laughs) I have no idea. But God knows them by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. Now let's bring this theology back down to earth to you and I. Because of his sovereignty, his omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence is also over our lives. So wait, so if he has total control, does that mean that he doesn't give us choices? No, he gives us choices. And here's why. While God can choose to do whatever he wants with you and I, because he is the God of all creation, he can choose to do that. Because he's sovereign, it is mandatory for him to give us the freedom of choices. I know, you're like, my brain is hurting, okay? I get it. And you're like, I need that second cup of coffee to completely understand what this actually means. But because he's sovereign, he is mandatory to give us the freedom of choices. Here's what you need to know. When you pray, when we pray, In heaven, we are trusting that our Abba, our Father, will do what is best for his creation. What is best for his creation. When you pray this, our Father in heaven, you're trusting that God knows what is best for you. That's his sovereignty. Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father in heaven. And then Jesus continues and says, Hallowed be your name. This word hallow in Greek is hagiatso. Hagiatso. It literally means to declare sacred or to declare holy. So when we pray this, we, we, Jesus is teaching us that God's name is holy, that he should be renowned above all name. See, in Jewish culture, name was an important thing. Name was a very, very important thing. It was an important factor. It was a way that, you know, uh, uh, of a telling of the origin of the person's birth and or a form of communication to convey God's message and or establish an affiliation with God. It defines the identity of that person. Take the name Moses, for example. Do you guys know what Moses means? 
Okay. To draw out or to be delivered. That's what it means. Where was he drawn out of? The river, water, good, fantastic. We're Bible knowledge, here we go, okay? The river, he was drawn out of that. But who did he draw out as well? The Israelites from the Pharaoh, from Pharaoh, from Egypt. You see how name plays a huge part in the Jewish culture? Take the name David, for example. David means what? Beloved. And we all know, despite all of David's shortcomings, <laughs> that he is known as what? A man after God's own heart. The one who is beloved by God. And again, this, this, this resonates importantly to me because in the Asian culture, and if you didn't know, I'm Korean, all right? <laughs> in the Asian culture, all right, name is an important factor as well. Like, you all know me as Shin, but do you actually know what that means? Let me tell you today. You got to learn something along with the Bible. All right, so my mom calls me and my dad calls me Shin Song. That is my full name, okay? Shin is my first name, Song is my middle name, but in Korean, there's really no first and middle names. It's, uh, anyways, all right, so here's what my name means. Shin means faith and Song means to accomplish or to complete. So my name literally means faith accomplished or faith completed. Now, that is not driven from the Korean language itself. That's actually a Chinese deeper meaning to that. There's a root to that. So I have a Korean, I have an English written language of my name. I have a Korean written language of my name. And I also have a Chinese written language of my name. Aren't you jealous? I'm just kidding. All right. <clears throat> so my name literally means to faith accomplished, faith completed. And I wear it proudly because it is something that my mom and my dad have named me. And uh, I, I just, I cannot wait until I meet Jesus and say, I did it, Jesus. For you, I did it. It's been accomplished, right? So when we say, hallowed be your name, we're saying his name must be a name that is set apart and holy. A name that is above all names. A name that is honored, feared, and loved. We're praying that he alone may be known. Here's the kicker. You see, while Jesus was here on this earth, that was his sole mission, to make God known, to make his name known, to make his kingdom known all over the earth. And Ephesians 2.10 says this, that the now for those who have made new in Jesus Christ are joining in that same mission as Jesus. Isn't that cool? Right? That's crazy cool. Right? Matter of fact, not only are we joining Jesus in that same mission of making God's name known, he has given us the lead to take charge of that mission. What? Read John 17. This is Jesus praying to Abba for us, for you and I. It says this, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. That was Jesus' prayer for you and I. What a prayer. I am so glad to know that Jesus is praying for us. 
So how do we keep this mission? How do we, you know, make his name known? Well, John says it in verse 16. By living a life that is sanctified, that is set apart, that is holy. A living a life that honors God by desiring to gaze upon his beauty, by putting all of our hope in him. And by obeying his word, by doing these things, by doing them, we're letting the world know his name, and he alone is glorified. And what is the result of that? Jesus instructs it in the next section of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, God's kingdom comes when sinners turn to Jesus, where dead comes to life. See, we're praying that God will dwell with his people just as he did back in the garden, where no sorrow, no sin, and no death exists. And when we pray, God, your will be done, Jesus is teaching us to pray that God will bring people to him to himself, to repentance. And I know that, you know, when we talk about God's will, we're, we get so overwhelmed because I think a lot of us have asked this question, what is God's will in our life? What is God's will? Like, who's asked that question in your life ever? Like, I think all of us might have definitely asked that question. What is God's will? Right here. This right here is God's will. In it, written are God's will for you and die. See, when we pray, your will be done. We shift our focus from what we want, and we align ourselves to what he wants. And if I were to be honest, behind every, you know, what is God's will, I think there is a sense of self-established kingdom that happens, meaning that we like to impose our own will into God's will, don't we? <laughs> we love doing that. Let me give you a couple examples. God's will for you and I is to love our neighbors. Amen? Right? That's God's will. Why? Not only is it in the command, it's, it's written in the word. Like, that is his will for us. But we love imposing our own will into that little, uh, into, into God's will, don't we? Love our neighbors like God, maybe tomorrow? Right? Uh, maybe in like three weeks when I'm not super busy. Like then I can, you know, then, then I'll, I'll follow your will. Like we love imposing on that. No, God says, love your neighbor, like now. God says, be kind to each other. Show compassionate. Show compassion, you know, be compassionate towards each other. Forgiving one another just as Jesus forgave us. That's his will. That's his will but we love imposing our own will into that, don't we? Do I really have to forgive that person? Do I really have to show compassion? God, I don't know if I want to. You want the answer to what is God's will for your life? It's right here. It's not a secret. It's, it's there for us, for you and I. So when we pray your will be done, we are submitting to his ways. We're submitting to his plans. We're trusting that God knows best. Jesus knew this when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knew. Like, Jesus probably did not want to go on the cross, y'all. 
I'm sure he probably did not want to go on the cross. Because why? Because he knew what was coming. Not just the physical pain and suffering that he was going to have to endure, but the intimacy of God, the our Abba, Abba Father, that relationship was going to be broken. And he was going to have to endure the agony, the pain of the spiritual separation that he was going to have to have with this Abba Father that, that was established a long, long time ago, before even the world began. That was going to be broken. And he was not ready for that. I'm sure he did not want to go to the cross. He was in agony to the point that he was sweating blood. I, I don't know about you, I've never sweat blood. Nor do I want to. I don't want to be in that much agony and that pain to be able to do that. But Jesus did it for us. See, it wasn't, he wasn't quite emotionless about this. He himself was wrestling the fact that he was needing to submit to God's will despite his, what he wanted, what Jesus wanted. Because he knew, Abba knew best. And he humbly gave into God's will. See, Jesus is teaching us that we can put our trust in God, in Abba, the one who knows what is best for us. And I know, like for all of us who are sitting here this, this morning, that our true desires in our hearts is to say, your will be done. Your will be done. And, that's, and it takes for us to get out of the way and align ourselves with him. Jesus continues to say, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, Jesus knew exactly who he was talking to when he was talking to the crowd by the mountainside. The majority of the people who were gathered probably knew that Jesus was talking about uh, uh, what Jesus was talking about because of the stories of old, right? Like Moses and, and, and Jacob and Joshua and whatnot. So the stories of God rescuing, you know, like God rescuing the Israelites from the Egyptians and, and God providing, you know, pillar of fire, pillar of, you know, cloud for the Israelites was probably told for generations. And I'm sure that Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you know, use these stories to teach as well. You know, I'm, I'm guessing, but I'm, I'm sure that they use these stories. So when Jesus instructs them to pray and us to pray, give us this their daily bread, people who were listening knew that Jesus was talking about God providing manna to the Israelites. He was, he was relating with them. Give us this, our daily bread. And people, you know, probably understood that God is the sole provider for our daily needs. And I'm sure you know that God is the sole provider for our daily needs. Because everything belongs to him, right? But while, but while we understand that God provides our daily needs, like we have to go one step further. It is also prayer that is asking God to provide beyond our daily needs, the, to, to provide the intangible daily needs, the less tangible daily needs. And let me put it this way. If I were to only provide food, clothing, shelter, and hygienic items for my two boys, is that enough? Anyone? You can say it out loud. No, right? It's not enough. Why? Because I'll be a horrible father. I will be a terrible father because I've only supplied them with clothes, food, shelter, and hygiene. Although these items matter, 
as a father, as a dad, my job is to provide them also with emotional needs, right? With, with practical needs, with relational needs. Can't wait until they're dating. <sighs> Can you hear the sarcasm in that? Spiritual needs. Mental needs. See, our Abba, he is the giver of good gifts. Amen? Not only does he provide for us our daily needs, but he also provides for us the less tangible needs. Matthew 6.25 says this, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or or what you will wear. Heavenly Father has already provided those for you because you are his. But you know what the greatest need that God, our Father, has provided for us beyond the daily needs. Forgiveness and redemption through Jesus. Jesus, who is the bread of life, the bread that satisfies our spiritual need, the one that was dead, the one that needed to be revived, our spiritual hunger. So when we pray, give us our daily bread, not only are we acknowledging the fact that God is the sole provider for our physical daily needs and the less tangible daily needs, but we're also praying that we need Jesus every single day of our lives. Jesus continues on. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Yeah, I'm sure the question that you may be asking is, why do I need to ask for forgiveness? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked, even if you didn't. Let's unpack that. All right, we're going to go into theology again, just once a little bit more. All right, if you like taking notes, this is where you take notes. Did you know that salvation has three aspects? What? It has three aspects. It's got position of salvation, progressive salvation, and ultimate salvation. All right? And you're like, these are very unfamiliar words, and I feel like I'm in class. Because you are, all right? Just for a little bit. Let me explain what it means. Position of salvation means that you are declared righteous. Okay, you've been made righteous. Progressive salvation is a continual process of being set apart and being holy. Ultimate salvation is made complete in holiness and no sin. Let me give you a little sidebar here um, for, to ease all the minds here. Progressive is not the term that you think that you're thinking at the current moment right now, okay? <laughs> Let me ease your minds here a little bit. It's not what you're thinking that you're like, oh, I can't believe we said that word in church, okay? No, it's, that's not what it means, okay? Progressive means to continue on, okay? It's, it's a thing. We believe because we're declared righteous, we cannot lose salvation, amen? Right? We cannot lose salvation. So let me just ease the minds of the people here. Just because you hear the word, the, 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 the progressive word, doesn't mean that you have to freak out a little bit, all right? We talked about this messy series. We talked about what? Justification, uh, uh, yeah, justification, sanctification, and glorification. Justification, sanctification, glorification. It's the same thing, all right? If you would want to have a refresh of what that is, go listen to our messy series, okay? All three of these are effective, for those believers who believe in Jesus by grace through faith. So when you said, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are my Lord and Savior and that you died for me and that you rose again, we've been declared righteous. 
right? We're the, yeah, there we go. We've been declared righteous. It's a position of salvation. We have been saved for good. Amen, everybody? Amen. Ultimate salvation is that this is happening when we get to heaven, okay, or when Jesus comes back. We're not yet there yet, okay? We're not there yet. We're, we're going to be there, and I cannot wait, okay? I cannot wait, but for right now, we're not there yet. So we live in this middle ground of where we are continuing to be made holy, continuing to live a life that is set apart. So the reason why Jesus is teaching us to pray this particular prayer is because although we are made righteous through him, we've been saved for good, we do sin on a day-to-day basis. Let me ask you, who sinned this week? If you're not raising your hand, Again, I want to talk to you. No, let me know your secret, all right? Who sinned yesterday? Okay. Again, if you had, didn't raise your hand, then uh, I want to talk to you. <laughs> Who sinned this morning? <laughs> I think we've all... Did, did. Listen, it's not a surprise that, that you're like, oh, I sin? Like, it's, it's not a surprise. We sin every single day. Why? Why? Because we're not yet made complete in, in Jesus, wherever that went. There it is. All right? We're not yet made complete in Jesus. We will get there one day, but it takes work. It's a progress. It's a continual thing. And this is why it's so important to continue to ask for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 8, 9 says this. If we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. John says that we have to recognize that we do sin against God, but God is faithful. Hallelujah and amen to those who confess their sins. See, we continue to ask for forgiveness for a healthy relationship with our Abba for a healthy relationship with our God. God does not, listen, if you, if maybe you grew up in a church that, that, you know, taught you in a different way, but God does not keep a tally of how many times you ask for forgiveness. God does not keep a tally of how many times you've sinned. That's not our God. And I am so thankful that God forgives. Aren't you? I am so thankful that God forgives. And Jesus further teaches in the same, same prayer. Jesus also says to forgive those who have done wrong against us. To forgive them just says God forgave us. Let me give it to you in the most the plain term. We have ex- no excuse not to forgive. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. We have no excuse not to forgive. Now, will it take time? 100% yes. Yes, it'll take time. Will it take a counselor or a therapist to be able to forgive alongside the Word of God? 100%. Because some of us have a a traumatic past that that requires to talk it out and to really, really get to that place of forgiveness to be able to forgive that person. But ultimately what Jesus is saying is that we need to forgive. Why? Because God has forgiven 
us. Us who deserved death and hell. Us who sinned against the most holy one. He forgave me. He forgave us. And therefore, in turn, we show that same grace to those around us. Lastly, Jesus teaches us to pray. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's God's deliverance. I I love this part of the prayer. Because this isn't, hear me when I say this. When Jesus teaches us to lead us not into temptation, and, but deliver us from the evil one. It isn't a prayer that erases all temptations and all trials. It is not a prayer that says, poof, it's gone. No, trials and temptations will be there. But it is the prayer that clings on to the authority and the wisdom of God, saying that, Lord, I know I can't do this by myself, but I'm going to hold on to you because you are my strength. It is a prayer that is recognizing that we will be tempted to sin against God and we will have the trials of life, but God is the one who's able to lead us out of it. It's recognizing that our natural tendencies as human beings is to grab onto these fruitless actions, but it takes us relying on God and his wisdom to bring us out of that temptation and trial, to bring us out of that trial. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be, temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I am so thankful that we serve a God who is faithful to us, who is faithful to himself. I'm so thankful that God delivers and that we can all rely on his wisdom. The Lord's Prayer. Man, who thought this prayer would contain so much? (laughs) I'll be honest with you all. The Lord's Prayer is a good like four to five like series kind of ordeal, all right? Uh, We're just, I'm just giving you the the, the, the main course of it, I guess, you know, if you want to call it that. But there's so much more that we can unpack through the Lord's Prayer. And why is it important? Because Jesus is instructing us, this is how you should pray. This is how you should pray. Notice the theme surrounding this prayer. The theme. It is never about what we can do. It's never about what we can offer to God. It's never about you or I. The prayer that Jesus teaches us, that he instructs us to pray, is all about him. Positionally, it is all about him. It's all about our Abba. God, our Abba, our Father, it's about His intimacy with us. In heaven, it's about His sovereignty over all creations. Hallowed be your name. It's about His name being known and renowned all over the earth and all over the galaxies. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about His will being done. It's about His will being aligned with His will. It's not our, our will that, that overcomes God's will. No, we align with 
His will. Give us this day our daily bread. It's about the provision from God beyond, yes, the daily needs are there. God provides those. Yes, the less tangible daily needs are there. God provides those. But ultimately, we are saying that we need Jesus every single day. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's about the forgiveness that God offers. And because he has forgiven us, we ought to forgive others around us who have done wrong against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's about God's deliverance. It's about his faithfulness. It's about his wisdom. It's about his strength that can lead us out of those trials and temptations. Remember this. The purpose of prayer is to glorify God. That is the purpose. It's not about me, 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 me. I need, I need, I need. My family needs. While there is time and place to pray those prayers, when we focus all of our energy in glorifying God and and giving Him as a purpose of our prayer, all of those needs that we need, those are consequences to the prayer that we've said. God, we glorify you so he meets our needs in this way. Now, sometimes it may not look like the, you know, what we pray for, but he meets our needs in the best way that he knows that we can handle. The purpose of prayer is to glorify God. So the question we have to ask ourselves today, this morning, is does my prayer glorify God? How is my prayer lifestyle? What does my prayer look like? Does it align with the Lord's prayer, how Jesus has instructed us to pray? Or or are my priorities completely different? And maybe we need to re-examine our prayer life. So we're going to take a moment to pray. Um, And I, I just want you to just Think about your prayer life for a little bit, for for a quick 30 seconds. And if you need to ask for forgiveness, saying, you know what, Lord, I've done this all wrong. I've got this all backwards. Lord, forgive me. Hey, I want to glorify you in all that I pray. Maybe, you know, you're like, man, Lord, I haven't haven't prayed in a long time. (laughs) God, help me. Give me the strength to overcome this trial of my blank, your laziness, or, or just not wanting to do it. Help me to overcome the strength, uh, to overcome this trial, to be able to pray and glorify you. So let's take about, you know, just 30 seconds or so and just examine your prayer life. Father, Abba, we're so thankful that you desire to have that intimate relationship with us. We thank you that you are sovereign over all of your creation.
God, we want to live our lives that is for your glory and for your fame and for your name, the name that is above all names. And God, we want, our, we want to align ourselves with your will. God, forgive us for times that, that, that we've set our priorities wrong and we impose our own will and try to live a life that is aimless God, we thank you for the written will that you've given to us through your word. God, we thank you for your provision. Not just daily provisions that we need as human beings, but also the less tangible ones, Lord, emotional, spiritual. But God, we also thank you for your son, Jesus, who's provided the greatest need of all souls, that is forgiveness and redemption. God, we thank you that you've forgiven us. We thank you that you don't take tallies of, of how many times we ask for forgiveness or how many times we sin, but you just forgive. And God, just as, as you forgive us, Lord, you have instructed us to forgive others around us who, may have, who, who have hurt us. God, give us the strength and the courage to do that. And God, thank you that you deliver, that, that we can count and we can can hold on to you for your strength in the times of trials and temptations. That you're faithful in every aspect of our lives. God, we love you. We give you all the praise and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to end together in the prayer um, <coughs> of the Lord's Prayer together. And uh, to, you know, I did put for thine is a kingdom at the end. Okay, so if you want, that's, that's in there. All right. So let's, uh, <clears throat> let's pray this uh, Lord's Prayer together, and then uh, we can end our morning together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.